Dave? Are you oh. gluing your fingers together? <laughs> this this is what happened the last time when we were doing the nonplus uh, Zoom. My the um, interior like plastic stuff on my station wagon keeps breaking. It's like the one part of my of my car that's kind of fucked up. So it keeps like cracking <laughs> off, and so I'm like trying to like super glue the pieces of it back together so I can kind of like glue it. It's really janky. It doesn't matter. It's like superficial, but for some, I don't know how the previous owner kept this shit nice because it's just like it's just crumbling. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I forgot to put the cap back on my super glue. So I'm, I'm uh, trying to, that's what I was trying to do. (laughs) Oh, it It got all crusty. It looked like you were trying to sniff glue. Yeah. I Uh, I was like, I mean that, that's cool. Dude, if that's what you need to power through these episodes, then that's, that's (laughs) okay. But this would be a good one to to do that with actually. (laughs) We should start, we should start implementing something where we like make our guests like choose what drug they're going to do before the episode. (laughs) No, we get to choose what drug you're going to do. Oh, that's way better, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like we've had guests that had to suffer through, like, really shitty movies. Oh, man. And that feels like fair play. Yeah. (laughs) I Um, had to suffer through a really shitty movie. Yeah. Yeah, but you get to be on this one, so. I know, I know. Yeah, this is such a blissed out, violent ride. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I said this on um, the last episode, but like this, this is, I, in my opinion, this is probably his best movie since adaptation. So that's like, that's like 15 year gap, I think, between those. I don't know. Yeah. Miles, do you, do you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. 100%. I'm trying to think of movies that I even liked between adaptation and this one, like let yeah. alone them being great, uh, the trust. Yeah, the trust. That's probably it. That's probably it. That was but, good. Oh, um, and Joe. Joe was good. But yeah, this is go- for sure a uh, see Ghost Rider. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we saw it. Um, Spirit of Vengeance is okay. But Ghost is it, Rider is Two. It, is is it? this the? Sorry, go ahead, Miles. Oh no, I was just questioning that Spirit of Vengeance was good. That's all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's better than the first one. <laughs> I wanted to know if this was all in the time frame of when he bought the haunted house. Uh, yeah. Well. He, yeah, basically, he bought the haunted house in um, early two thousands, and adaptation was two thousand three. So, um, yeah, if if you believe that him buying the um, the the mansion in New Orleans like cursed his career, then um, yeah, there's pretty there's pretty strong evidence that uh, that may have happened. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't know that he purchased a. New Orleans mansion, haunted mansion. Yeah, he, oh, yeah, he yeah. purchased like the most, what is sometimes called the most haunted house in America. It's, it's like, not a, f- it's not a fun story about why it's haunted. It's oh. the only thing. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. It's sad. It's legitimately maybe he just did something really bad by buying the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's like know. it was like owned by. Uh, I don't know if she was a slave owner or if it was like in antebellum times, but basically like a woman who had held, uh, people like she, she really abused her like black servants and, uh, yeah. you know, and then it burned down. There was all this just like tragic death around it and just like legit, like just fucked up stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah it seems Terrible. like he was, he was kind of like, Oh yeah. I, uh, most haunted house in America. I, that's mine. Like what, what, what's money for except for buying all the fun, crazy shit. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, but that's it's not, not a wholesome. S- it's not a wholesome haunted house. We wanted no, no, him no. in a Scooby Doo manner, and he yes, something <laughs> yes. much darker. It, it it seems like he went into it with the same spirit as like buying the T Rex skull that he had to give back. Right? Um, Didn't Leo end up with that or something? Yeah. Yeah. Right. There was there was no traje- there was no trajectory. It was just sort of an impulse buy, like on your way out the door. Like <laughs> I'm going to grab this haunted house too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll take uh, one pyramid, one dinosaur skull, and uh, you know, throw in the haunted house. Hey, is there? Do you got any spaceships? Come on. <laughs> it's like when you grab the candy underneath the register, like right before you check out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'll I'll just grab this one too. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, the Mandy fantastic film phenomenal and, um, film. love that film one you know i i've come around to this i think this is one of my favorite of his performances too which i i, I didn't feel that way the first time i watched it i kind of like i i didn't really think much about his performance but um i i actually i think he's really good in this yeah that bathroom scene man yeah and this this was the first time i realized like he that's his hidden vodka like he turned down the beer in the helicopter because he's not an alcoholic yeah. anymore and like oh he's, like, but he's still hiding he the still booze around the house and he like downs the whole thing shit like like he can like he used to yeah and it's like such a moment of like intense like pain like i really I, that bathroom scene is really like long shot you know that yeah i mean th- yeah that that's that's or, or in terms of his performance one shot yeah in terms of his performance that's like th- that's the peak uh in the movie like and that's oh, that's one of his best like scenes ever i think like he, he mm-hmm. just like he he really just all the pain and the grief and the yeah the like not just the the immediate grief but i think like yeah like he's pulling on this like years of like <laughs> damage that and uh and you feel it all i just uh, yeah he's he's so good in this and that's mm-hmm. not something that i've been saying much recently it's <laughs> <laughs> a relief uh, yeah well yeah. And, and like it's also really authentically messy which a lot of yes. like high profile actors don't do once they get to a certain point like they show emotion like there's like actors that will like be emotional in a movie or they'll cry but like there's something about that scene that is just so uh yeah it's just like ru- it's just like really rough and messy it's embarrassing and, yeah, he's, yeah he's like tidy whities and right he's like all bloody screaming and, yeah on the toilet on the toilet yeah it's the most humiliating there's nothing worse or you know more in the corner, so to speak. And, yeah, and there's just, there's no ego to that moment. Like, yeah, there's, there's no, like he looks, he looks as shitty as his character feels. And it, it's just great. When this came out in 2018, um, was sort of after the sort of his, Nick Cage had fully become like a meme. And there were all these, like, I think this was around that, that time. Uh, there were a lot of like supercuts going around the internet of like cage freakouts, which um, some I, when I was reading interviews with him about this film, that was the first time I'd read an interview where someone specifically mentioned that, and he was talking about how he's like frustrated with it because he thinks that you know when people boil his performances down to that, they it, it sort of does a disservice to the films, and like you know we we've seen. We've seen f- plenty of films where he makes like weird choices and you are kind of like, okay, well that, that's bizarre. But like this, it's, it's interesting that like, I mean, I don't think that legacy hurt this film at all. I think people were really stoked on the idea of 
you know, Cage riding around on an ATV with a battle axe, like freaking out like that, that yeah. did not hurt the box office. But, right. but, it, but what's then interesting, also arguably, what, I think a lot of those, the scenes and stuff in this, the super cuts of him freaking out, the, that's the only reason some of those movies are even like, Yes. remembered by anybody even like a year or two after they can't come out like if anyone yeah, even fully. knew they came out it's, so it's so interesting that he like loathed loathed that uh res- like love or whatever appreciation mm-hmm. the the respect for the cage freak out even if it is a meme and then it instead of like doing something different from that he did exactly that and <laughs> just maybe that's an ego death well, in a way where it's like i'm gonna give you what you want which yeah, but like the best, like out. the best, most distilled best. version of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, because what what I think what I was getting at is uh, like in this movie, like he gets he does yeah the best version of that that like the most actorly version of that in in that <laughs> vodka scene. But for most of this movie, his performance is really subdued, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like w- which I hadn't like we've seen him give a lot of like kind of sleepy performances in the recent past of us watching stuff and like but his performance is really controlled in this even for for how ridiculous the thing that he's doing is like it's it's almost a naturalistic performance which is Mm -hmm. great like it, it really grounds what's happening with like real real emotion and um so it it, it it's funny like i i get kind of why he would think you know be upset that people would think of it as just like a standard cage freakout but when like he you know i i feel like he delivers a, a really like dialed in precise performance in this film and uh you know yeah it's, uh, it's kick ass yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very it is. precise. It's like a, it's like a zeroed in like target. Like you hit the target bullseye with the yeah. crossbow. And initially, uh, the director, uh, what's his name, Panos? Yeah, yeah. Panos Cosmatos. Cosmatos. He Cosmatos. he wanted <laughs> he wanted uh, Cage to play the uh, Jeremiah Sand. He That's played. what I thought. Uh-huh. Yeah, which is so interesting because like he's also they kind of represent both sides of a coin you know they're both like yeah. insane like male sort of just like yes. ego craze yes. i'm gonna do this thing even if i have to go to hell like i'm gonna do what i'm gonna get my, my way will be done but they're like the two opposite sides meeting totally but um, and, and and you get that quote then uh where he says he's like uh what does he say? Um, that the psychotic uh, drowns yes. for the mystic swims. Yeah, exactly. Right. I love exactly. that. Exactly. Um, which yeah. I guess is from um, uh, Campbell. That's a Joseph Campbell oh, really? quote. Huh. Yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah. That's so interesting that he was offered the role of the antagonist, but he wanted to be the opposite, the hero. Which yeah. It seems like more fun to play Jeremiah. I guess. Yeah, they but they should have done like an adaptation thing, and he should have done <laughs> just have him be both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, he would have nailed it. Like, and that's the thing. Like, we've seen this too of like him being in movies where someone else almost seems to be doing the Nick Cage thing, where they're like, because re- I, I forget the actor's name who plays Jeremiah, but Linus like, Roach. Linus yeah. Roach. Uh-huh. <laughs> Linus I know. Roach. I wrote it down because I was like that name. Wow. <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean his his whole way of playing that that character, like it could have been Cage. Like it's it's very it's just so over the top and the weird line deliveries. And, yeah, and I, everything. I also I get um really heavy Dennis Hopper vibes from Ooh. him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Two crazy vibes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fully. <laughs> um, all right, but that's I, I guess I just wanted to come out. Yeah, hot. sorry to bring up the. You know the freakout scene. I no. know that's like not what it's supposed to be that's about. That's fine. That that's the elephant thing. in the room when you talk that about is, this. We movie, have to I talk yeah. about it. Yeah, you know? and, and that's what a lot of I think that that's the energy that a lot of people came into this movie uh, looking for. But right. um, but it, it's definitely not my main thing that I noticed. You know, I mean, there's there's so much to it. Yeah, I know. I I don't even know where to start. I mean, there's certain things that I even want to respond to that you brought up, but I I kind of like yeah. I, I don't even know. I guess let's like zoom out and uh, um, Miles, when did you saw this at like a festival, right? Yeah, um, I I saw it. Uh, I don't remember where it was. I didn't see it when it premiered. Uh, although I was working that year at Sundance, but I saw it like a couple months later. I almost didn't go. I remember it was a weird thing where like I almost didn't go to the screening, um, and then. I had actually Vivian told me she's like you have to, like we're we're she we're I'm gonna come with you we have to go see it like I won't let you not see it, <laughs> uh, which was great. But there was a funny thing because there was a guy sitting in in front of us the whole show, and he kept leaning over to his friend to like comment on like what was happening on screen. So like half of the movie, I had like a like every time he would lean over, his head would like come into my view. So like half the movie, I had like a head coming in and out like every once in a while. So uh, among other things, I missed the fact that it was supposed to be 1983 because his head was blocking that part of the screen. (laughs) (laughs) So not until I saw it for the second time. Well, like that. And then I found out later afterward and I was like, what? I didn't know that. And then when I watched it again, I was like, oh, that would have helped to have known, I think. Um, (laughs) But it uh, was great. I just remember leaving the theater and just being blown away. I was like, I don't even know how to talk about that movie. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. what did I just experience? And it was great because it was a late night screening. Everyone was there because, um, you know, it was like the one showing they were going to do of it. And so uh, people were psyched. It was uh, it was a good experience. I did. Wait, did you guys see this in theaters? Yeah. Well, yeah, we because Paul saw it at Sundance when it premiered, and he came right. back and was like, "Mandy, like you guys, you don't remember. understand. You don't. I'm not going to say anything. Like you have to go see it." And we went to the Vista with Jake, with Jake, Jake Ingles, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was like a late night at the Vista. It felt like a midnight movie. Like it felt yeah. like like a experience out of 1983, watching a like foreign horror film, like at night. It was just such a classic. Yeah, and I didn't know anything about it going into it. I had only seen the poster, so it made it that much better because I have weird standards for movies, and I usually go into them thinking I'm not going to like them very much. And Mm. so when I saw this, I had such a low standard for it already that it just (laughs) made me... (laughs) that I was so, so thrilled to have found something that I had enjoyed so much. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, it's like a midnight movie, Nicolas Cage uh, horror movie, whatever. Like you don't you don't necessarily expect that you're gonna get 
whatever this movie is. I mean, in some ways, yeah. it's like the ultimate midnight movie. Like, yes. really. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that as time goes on, it's going to be like, I don't know what... Like El Topo or whatever weird, right. you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like whatever weird art fuzz, film your friend drags yeah. you to at midnight. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I, I feel like I, I haven't seen Beyond the Black Rainbow, but it seems like it's uh, good, pa- Dave. You would, yeah. I think, I think everyone here would really like it. If yeah, I, I know oh, yeah, that we've they, seen it. they've seen it. I, yeah, it, it seems to me though that like Panos is is really going for a Yodorowsky thing. Like that seems to be like his his big touchstone. But yeah, it's like. There, I remember I, I saw this. I didn't see this in theaters, which is a shame. I saw it at my friend's house. I, he was saying he was like, "Yeah, it's the perfect mix of like art film and just like midnight movie," which mm-hmm. I think is true. <laughs> like it really, it really like, you know, it, it's got something for everybody. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like an art film that's actually entertaining because you and don't yes, right. usually get that. Yeah, it it's like it, and just like the balance is is right like it's a little the pace is a little slow at first and it's sort of like it takes its time sort of like setting up emotional stakes that that resonate like you you get a sense Mm. of the relationship but it's also like vague enough that like you kind of like you don't get bogged down in any specifics really like the story is like pretty simple and yeah once once things start like really moving and paying off like then yeah it's then it's like fully midnight movie but like you already just the aesthetics of it are just beautiful mm-hmm. i don't know i i have no i have nothing bad to say about it it's it's great it tells a story for so long without saying anything too which yeah. i think is so cool that it's just like you can see what he's doing in the woods and he like when he gets on the helicopter he throws a cigarette down and that says so much about like his character like as like a lumberjack or whatever and their relationship like there's so much unsaid and you still have like a story coming out of it yeah it it kind of achieves what like i think dialogue in a safety brothers film achieves but on the opposite end of the spectrum so just all visual very natural dialogue but it's very minimal which Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's kind of like you know, we live together. We've been together for a really long time. Mm-hmm. We spend most of the time that we spend together in silence. Sure. And or listening to music. Yeah. yeah. And or do and in the way that like a Safety Brothers joint is is like talking, talking, people talking all over each other like that. That's another way. Like that's very real. Right. And so I I enjoy the. I don't know. It's just I get. Y- I think it's really tiring to always hear <laughs> scripts uh-huh. that are like, yeah, succinct. And this is said, and then I'm going to wait for you to end. And this is said, and then yeah. I'm not going to pause. I'm going to say right away. And you know, it's it's a. Uh, um, I found it very natural and and enjoyable. Yeah, it's like the it's like the Aaron Sorkinization of dialogue. Right. You know what I mean? Where it's just everyone right. is like very like, you know. It's so clever and, and right. on it and, and Come on, just and no so one talks writerly. like that. Um, yeah. But I, I do definitely really appreciate how slow this movie is and not like obviously slow in a boring way, but like it 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 doesn't um it doesn't apologize for being slow. Like some movies, even when the pace is slow, there's always like some kind of thing going on where they feel like they have to keep you invested somehow, but like this doesn't pander to that at all. And it actually ends up paying off in the end 
like like mm-hmm. in the second half that they took things so slow uh, in in the beginning. Well, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Again, I I think it's because there's like uh, uh, because the story is so simple, and because the, uh, the and the aesthetics are so beautiful that like a, a common thing with like I feel like a lot of uh, bad movies that we've watched and just in general is the the stories will be really complex like the mm-hmm. it will be too clever and there will be just be too many things going on where um that you're just constantly getting exposition and just constantly like and it's almost like you know some when somebody is afraid that they someone will think their movie is stupid and so they make ah no the story has got to be and the story of this is very simple yeah. and you wouldn't um, even need dialogue really you no, could just you, get you away with don't. just showing the imagery the only character who really talks that much is the cult leader. <laughs> Jeremiah. Right, Jeremiah which, which is appropriate, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it, it uses, so it, it kind of uses all of the languages of a film to mm. tell the story too, because you have the editing and the yeah. editing in the first half of the film is very different than the second half. In the first half, you have almost no hard cuts Everything is like one long scene almost. Yeah, crossfading. With how yeah, things fade, are fading. Everything's into each fading. Other. And then it's not really until we get to the fighting where things kind of cut hard and it's faster. Mm. And then with the music too, like everything is, is very well placed. And uh, I think you can touch on stuff like lighting. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the lighting tells a story by itself, like all of the red. Even mm-hmm. I noticed like. There's a lot of times where the brake lights will be overemphasized by all this red in the forest. And then the other side of the screen is all of the headlamps. When they like blow the horn of Abraxas in that one scene to like summon the demon gang or whatever. Bikers. Like, yeah, the bikers from hell. Uh, Abraxas is supposed to be like both sides of the dualistic uh, deity or whatever so it's it's the good and the evil and it like kind mm-hmm. of is telling that with the just lighting you know yeah in a crazy way i mean uh, uh, so abraxas and i think they they use a lot of gnostic and um just general high fantasy terms in this and i don't know yeah at to to what and they're using it other than just like aesthetically, but mm-hmm. in reference, yeah, referentially. in reference yeah. to Abraxas in Gnostic, like in Gnosticism is like you said, the, the deity, like it's the God who made God. It's the thing. It's kind of behind the serpent that's biting its tail behind yeah. everything that is happening. So mm-hmm. I don't oh, know. That's so cool. If, yeah. Um, and I looked up because the this the horn of Abraxas, it looks like um it kind of looks like the Ocarina of Time. Yeah, fully. <laughs> oh cool. <laughs> and it's the yeah. it's the Ocarina and I was like, oh, I wonder if like the history of the <laughs> Ocarina is some crazy like old thing. And I looked it up and it's just it, no, no. It's just <laughs> it was made by like some Italian kid in the eighteen hundreds. So an, <laughs> that's an Ocarina was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was oh. invented in Italy pretty recently for like a flute hmm. crazy that's yeah. really interesting so i think they're they're just like 
yeah, grabbing at these things aesthetically, but then they hit these nerves at certain points, like Spooky's saying, yeah. with um, symbology. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess the the tainted blade of the abyssal knight the, that he yeah the, he the gets, pale knight yeah he yeah that he gets stabbed with um, right. I think that is pulled from Dungeons and Dragons yeah um, oh really which, it's, it's just straight up from D and D that's cool yeah <laughs> yeah so they they made that knife and they believed in its power because they had really good. Like he was their DM and they had really good sessions. That's so yeah, funny. Right. <laughs> Basically. That, that feeds into it. This whole thing reminds me of like a satanic panic. Mm. Yeah. And so that's really, uh, I don't know. It's, it's funny that that's well, a so, D and D thing. I didn't know that it was D and D. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. It was a direct poll. That makes sense though. I, I, you know, it, it takes place in 1983 mm-hmm. and, um, uh, so I was reading this interview with Panos where he was saying that it's like, you know, it, it's not literally set in 1983 on, in our reality on earth, but it's sort of like this nostalgia landscape of that is pulling from his childhood basically of like, you know, things that are, uh, um, like barbarian movies and uh, just like the stuff that he was that he was watching and listening to and like paying attention to all this these symbols and and stuff that felt loaded and mystical to him as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, he said that um, a lot of the sort of feel of of what's going on in the movie is uh, he, he didn't like horror movies as a kid, but he would like go to the video store and just like look at the backs of them and imagine <laughs> what the horror movies were. And so this is supposed to feel like evoke that. Right. So like, cool. I love that. Cause I know what that feels like. Cause I, you know, when you're like watching empire strikes back when you're a kid and Yoda says creepy shit and you're like, what does that make me feel so weird? It's yeah. like something <laughs> that's unexplained. He doesn't tell you yeah. why the, that weird, Room on Dagobah has Darth Vader in it. It's like right. mystical and unexplained. As a as a kid too, like yeah, you don't catch that if in like the, this kind of media, like you don't catch that it's oh a, this is a reference to this or pulling from that or like there there's so much that as a kid just in general in life <laughs> you just have to mm-hmm. sort of like take at face value and it just as being mysterious because you know adults talking period adult culture is already mysterious there's a lot of shit that just goes over your head and you can Mm kind of just infer what's going on so i feel like that's sort of like the the uh the way that this the the language that this movie is playing with too is that where it's we're inferring a lot of, like yeah there's no explanation of ah this is the horn of Abraxas that and this right. this calls forth he just says let me check my bring- Grail diary really quick and yeah, yeah right yeah. <laughs> yeah the only explanation is these guys this biker gang did a bunch of bad acid and now they're crazy <laughs> now they're demonic yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and there's a lot of stuff like that which in some movies like similar like arty movies you you'll see stuff in it that sort of plays in that same dream logic that like maybe doesn't work or it feels like lazy or poorly thought out or whatever but i think that like the tone of this like it really works in that sort of yeah it's not even like dream logic it's just that like that that feeling of you're watching um some media that you don't 
you don't have all the context um, right. to really understand what, you know, what is this wasp that she's pulling out that, that she gets right. stung Ugh, in the neck. You know, dude, that's you don't get gnarly. So weird and it comes out of nowhere. Bad and trip you don't, on you don't, wasp venom. You, you don't get any of the, the info, but it doesn't top. matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, that's what that thing is. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah. and, and I think, too, that this movie, the, this is a drug movie, but it doesn't feel... Uh, like it's not like a cheap you know like it's not like when a character does like drugs in a movie and then the screen gets all blurry and then everyone's like hey man like are you feeling okay like it's, not, it's not like the doors yeah exactly it's nothing like the doors um i mean <laughs> that uh, one biker guy was doing a lot of coke like so true. much coke <laughs> or like some giant blade dick or, or something, something. Yeah. <laughs> oh weird he was doing uh, baking, yeah. baking powder. Yeah, <laughs> he Bath was doing. Salts yeah, the you remember that scene in Cheech and Chong where the the That's woman snorts the borax. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I that. said when we watched it recently. Like when we rewatched mm -hmm. it to talk about it, I said this reminds me of Cheech and Chong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's a direct reference, and it's hilarious. Like I laughed at that part. You know, it's yeah, it's funny. He's watching the, the, that that porn video. That's really that's just that same shot of that same yeah. scene over and over again. <laughs> yeah, or when he lights the cigarette off of that burning head, like that's so oh. funny. Oh yeah, you know? that's great. Yeah. It's so funny. I'd like where he put humor in the the movie. It's it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, and but yeah, but it never feels like it never feels cheap. Mm -mm. Um, and I think it's because he didn't separate it from the gruesomeness. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And and it doesn't undercut any of the the gruesomeness or the or the it's sadness. Kind of, it's like, kind of it's like a, a parasite it's a, in that way where it's just a lot of mm -hmm. things happening very well, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and where like the main like driving force behind the the story is like dark and sad and like mm -hmm. anxious and and whatever, but the humor like it doesn't undercut it. It just like makes it richer and uh, yeah. This, this is just good. Yeah, what, uh, I liked what what you said about like the what he his inspiration and in being a kid and like the things that were going on in '83 around him, like because that moment when she asks him what's your favorite planet and he switches to like an X Men reference. Yeah. You, oh what, yeah. Right. You know. Is that yeah, right? Galactus. Right. Is yeah. He yeah. I, I think he's. He yeah, I think he's from X Men. Yeah. It's he's I from just, Fantastic Four. I think. Oh, Fantastic oh. Four. Sorry, my bad. I don't I remember he, everybody out there. That's a well, he's just like a Marvel. I, I, I yeah. forget where he originated, but yeah, he's just like a Marvel character that um, mm -hmm. shows up and for the Silver Surfer and a bunch of right. people fight him. I just It just made me feel like that in combination with him making that blade and that like insane metal smithing part that is so yeah. D&D. &D. Like yeah. this guy is a kid. He's just like yeah. an angry grown up kid who has to go on like this, you know, vengeance, like just <laughs> vengeance mission, but he's just a kid. And that's why well, his dreams look like X-Men, like, yeah. like the animated yeah, dreams like, are cartoons. You know, they he are cartoons. cartoons. Plus his, his wardrobe too. He's got the tidy whities and the baseball <laughs> tees. I know, so good. Exactly. <laughs> he's a little kid. You know, what's interesting too is, is, um, so yeah, when, when Panos was initially like writing it with his writing partner, um, he, they, Cage was supposed to be the, uh, the Jeremiah 
and the main character was supposed to be younger. Like part of his like mm. conception of this was he some he said something about like youth versus old age, which mm. when he then like you know the movie was just sort of in pre-production for a long time and um uh which through Elijah Wood who mm-hmm. was uh producing this with some other guys as part of his uh production company notorious um, good guy elijah wood <laughs> yeah who was in who's in the trust with uh cage and no i guess his friends with him he was like no nah, like take another interview with cage and uh and nick cage had just broken up with his wife uh alice kim cage the mother of kal-el cage if you're following kal-el superman Cal- yeah mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. dude oh, what <laughs> yeah the, well that's the yeah the real name of Superman. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, and and she, Nick Cage met her when she was nineteen as a uh, cocktail waitress at a uh, sushi place in Koreatown, and uh, they got married. We were together for like fourteen years, and then I I don't know why their marriage broke up, but it broke off suddenly, like right before this film was going to happen, and so mm. Cage met with him again, and I think was just like wrecked. And mm-hmm. he was like, oh, no, this is you're actually perfect to play this role. And so they sort of like he, he changed the movie around a little bit to to make sense with like an older guy doing it. But I was trying to picture someone like, I don't know, Robert Pattinson or whomever, like playing this role and, and how different that would be. And, and how I don't know, I was trying to see sort of the earlier version of it while watching the film. But so it's interesting, like thinking of him as like a overgrown kid, because that would play differently um, with like a, you know, a 20 something year old guy, but mm. who still yeah. is like kind of a kid or like yeah. coming into like being a an adult or whatever. Yeah, or they but went like of age story <laughs> really young and did like an 18 year old. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like something Which, yeah, would, would, it would work. It would it would still also be pretty awesome. But, you know, I was never sad that this was Nick Cage doing this. I thought, yeah. you know, it 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 kind of whatever the youth versus old age thing seems to be thrown out, which is fine because. Yeah, um, the, the something else going on here that's just as rich. Yeah, it's the Jeremiah Sand song. Definitely was a righteous man. <laughs> that is my favorite part. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, though, that song sucks. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Everybody if, has to laugh if at my, that song. If, if my uh, prospective cult leader was trying to get me to join his band and that's the song he played me, Listen, I don't think I'd be on board. I just like, yeah, I've you been made... in that situation many times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Playing music in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> but, and just like, you, you made this song. And it's about you. It's about you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good no, for you, I, buddy. There's something that, that really hits about that character. Yeah, he like he wrote a song about himself and um then all of his like ta- uh y- you know, talking about where Jesus like failed was he, he did he sacrificed himself instead of sacrificing right. someone else. Mm-hmm. And the part where he like he just looks in the mirror and he's like, it's like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Yeah. He's yeah. doing, he's doing mirror work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Totally. That's something I think like Linus Roach does really well that you don't always see in other people playing cult members. Like a lot of times there's this idea of like, well, if people, you know, follow somebody, then that person should be, you know, like the actor in this isn't afraid to 
like show like what a little like narcissistic punk would bitch out at like like yes. at like at mm. what point you know like he only mm-hmm. goes the the whole holier than thou thing only goes as far as when he doesn't get his way and then yeah he which is in every into, scene yeah and then he immediately just turns into like a child during a tantrum when mm-hmm. like everyone around him doesn't listen to everything he says like all the time yeah and, or when when she laughs at him or when yeah. I, I mean yeah it's just and even the last scene before nick cage squishes his head he's yeah, like where he's like begging <laughs> for his life you know what right I mean? well but he, he's vacillating between he's like he's like i put you on this journey like it's all because of me and then he's just like i'll blow you man yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll totally. suck your dick <laughs> please don't kill me <laughs> i yeah. like it when he's he, nick cage enters the scene and jeremiah is like feeling up a wall in this basement <laughs> chasm in his underwear and, yeah and nick i thought it was naked at first but yeah he's in his underwear and nick cage throws throws in the head of the older woman in the cult uh-huh. and it, like you see that you see that shift of him being some weird fake mystic guy like feeling this rock vibration and then all of a sudden this head is here and he's like, Ugh, uh. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He freaks out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't caught that Joseph Campbell line the, the first time watching it, but it is like, you know, when Cage speaks in that scene there, they like double his voice with like a lower, th- mm-hmm. like he sounds uh, other like God. And, <laughs> yeah. Like God. And uh, yeah, it is like, and he I says, I'm your God now. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. and and so there's a sense of that he's transformed. He, he he's he, he, a mystic, or yeah, he's he's become, I don't know, yeah, something other than he's he's come th- through the fire, and uh, you know, I, well, I don't yeah. know the salamander, the salamander, because right? he's when he he's, wakes up, yeah, yeah, and those uh, it's some symbology right there. There's so much good like subtle symbolism in it, and yeah. then the. Sorry, go ahead, Miles. I was just going to say, this is like the kind of movie that they're going to teach in like film class and stuff, I think. Just mm-hmm. because there's so, it, it, it's not only technically well done, but there's so much richness to the to the subtext of it too and, and, and all the, the symbology and, and like I feel like things dovetail in ways that you don't even realize until you watch it like two or three times, mm-hmm. um, which is cool because you can appreciate it on the surface as just like a, a, a cool trippy horror movie. But then you can also... Uh, I mean, it's it, it's got layers, man. I don't know, you it's know. Got layers. <laughs> <laughs> so let's kind of just meander through the plot, like, because it's it, it is really simple. But I think this will be a good way to just kind of like kick off all the fun stuff to talk about, and then we can circle back and uh, just uh, talk about w- whatever sort of stray things we want. But um, like, I gotta say that this this is one of the sickest like openings of a film that oh, I've seen yeah, in a long King time. Crimson. Oh yeah. Like mm. perfect song mm. choice, the drone shot over the trees and just the, the text, all the text in the film is beautifully designed. Right. Mm, the color's and, good. But yeah, that starless, that yeah, King Crimson red. song. Yeah. Off the album red, which is the same name as Cage's character. Mm. <laughs> and Crimson. Um, Crimson. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and starless, um, and she talks about the starlings being killed, and it's starless. Starless, it's like so much. <laughs> yes, there we go, guys. Yes. we're building the syllabus for the class already, right here. <laughs> See, we're starting the cult. 
They're not going to watch the movie. They're just going to listen to this podcast and dissect it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have to listen to every episode, though. <laughs> this is funny because this is actually like the one time where I would encourage people to l- watch the movie and not listen to our episode. Because usually I'm like, you don't <laughs> need to see the alert. movie. We talk about everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they then, uh, yeah, we see that Cage is a, a logger, um, which doesn't really play into the plot except that he can wield a chainsaw really well uh, it's cool um he lives in a beautiful house yeah made almost entirely of windows windows just different shapes of windows just gorgeous house with his cool ass wife Mandy. i didn't look this up but did did anyone could anyone find out if that was a house they built for the movie or if that is an existing oh. house because mm. that is a amazing house if someone built that and lives in it like for real i know beautiful home i think they filmed in belgium is what i gathered from the credits it doesn't say the location but it was like paid for by the belgium like film commission interesting so yeah it could be a really cool just architect's house out in belgium i believe it i think it would be too hard to make for the film yeah although they did make that pyramid for sure because they burned it down oh that's that's true true. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um so uh, yeah whoops, they li- sorry we burned down your pyramid <laughs> well if it doesn't exist it will in the future because i i mean why not let's build I, it i want to live in it although it probably gets really cold but uh it probably still. gets really really scary at night when you can't cage, cage built a cage built a pyramid a mausoleum pyramid so he that's actually, true yeah cage actually owns built a pyramid, a pyramid. yeah Whoa. yeah <laughs> um Oh yeah, he grabbed it with the T Rex head, like when he was yeah, in totally. the supermarket. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> no, no, but but <laughs> it, it, but he really does. His he has a grave in uh, in a New Orleans cemetery that he owns. Um, that uh, is just like a giant pyramid that he will be buried Wait, it's in for I guess. him. Yeah, his future yeah. grave. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's his future grave. Yeah, it's for him and his. That family. is like an Egyptian king. It wow. is. It's crazy. Um, it's cool. Yeah, um, Pharaoh. I mean, more people should do interesting things with their money. Honestly, like people say, I mean, he, I think he is bad with his money in the sense that he spends it like a child who has no conception of how much he has, but, um, he does cool things with it. And he makes like 10 movies a year at like, you know, charging like millions of dollars to appear in them. So I I think he seems to be doing fine. He has a Mm. castle. He has, he has all kinds of fun things. Why not? They, we get like nice domestic scenes of them. Like I, like you were saying, Ash, like they're, it's very quiet. I like that. They're like watching TV together, like that feel and just eating, just chilling. Mm. Like then, and they both have these dreams that, um, are, you know, the sim symbolism is already just like piled on thick with like, he, he dreams about like making a fire and she comes out of the water next to him naked and Is she that dreams, a dream? I thought it was. I thought I, it, that was yeah. his dream. And well, then that's she, the thing. I can't tell if any of it is a dream or if their life right. is a dream in the woods, you know? Right. Well, I guess we get the scene where that happens. And then we right. get a scene where she is going through the woods and she finds like a dead fawn. Yeah. In, what, a, um, what about the but, part right before that where he's in a boat in the middle of the water? Is that like something that is actually oh. happening? And then they're at the lake, and then she comes out of the water. I thought that was a real thing. Yeah. I see. I thought because we see them watching TV like at night, right? And and talking about the planets, 
and then that he you get that scene oh, with him and her and then God, she gets the fawn right. scene and then right. they're lying in bed talking about dreams right. or whatever and and yeah. she tells the starling story but yeah I it's not clear that. amazing yeah i think you're right i believe you either way the the symbolism is cool and i i don't know what it means but uh it's <laughs> it's there yeah and she tells that story about her her dad showing how to kill starlings but hitting them with a crowbar and a pillowcase right um, that reminds me so much of the end like <clears throat> when jeremiah is just telling him like you're just an animal like i am mm. powerful and i can destroy you and you're nothing because you're a meathead and you have like that's i feel like that's what people thought about animals like for so long like you don't have emotional intelligence yeah you have you have no intelligence when that's also not he, true. he he asks her like he's like what did you do and she's like i just i turned around and ran away and mm -hmm. maybe there's something to the fact that he he didn't turn around and run away ever he like you know he popped he, ahead yeah yeah <laughs> he popped, he popped. A stick off that head <laughs> he popped a He's, lot of heads yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he did. He crushed a lot of heads. It's true. It's a lot of head. It's a lot of head decapitation. Yeah. Yeah. There's at least like all four, four or five. Except, yeah. Except for the chainsaw. They're all head related. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, hey, you're right. That's something I didn't even notice. Yeah, yeah, me neither. That's crazy. Huh. Good job. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, all right. They're writing another chapter in the syllabus. Do you believe, <laughs> do you believe that she... Ran away. Do you think she's telling a lie right there? Oh. No, I... Mm. I she I does think take she, a second to answer. I don't know. Do, do you believe she ran away? I thought the first time, yes, and then when we rewatched it, I thought it was a little weird. Oh, like maybe she killed the starlings too? Like she was making that part up, yeah. Huh. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like under I don't know why that would be important, but... <laughs> yeah. As else. <laughs> I mean, that's that's good for her like character development, where she like thought about it and decided what, I did kill the starling. What do you guys think about the their the discussion about like their favorite planets? How she her favorite planet is the uh, is uh, Jupiter because it's so big and could like you know essentially a like year storm. a storm. Right. Yeah, I, th I think it's a reflection of. Of either of their characters, because in the um, so she says her favorite planet is Jupiter, and close to the end when he meets the Acid Lord God, he he calls him a Jovian warrior, mm -hmm. and just like I don't know, for me it it made me think of like oh. He kind of represents Jupiter. He's this big guy. His name is Red, and he's oh. being called the Jovian warrior by one of these characters. And then for her, she's like in her relationship with, or lack thereof, with Jeremiah, like she's kind of like a universe, if that makes sense. And if he says his favorite, favorite, um, planet is galactus yeah which is the universe eater and it has For all the, the universe eater, yeah. it's like she's the she, i don't know it reminds me of her character 
if that yeah. makes any sense. So I think it's kind of like... It is in the Mandy universe. It's, it's so interesting. Yeah, it's, it's character... It feels like a character establishment, but in um, a mirrored way. Yeah, it's really so weird. It's like, I love you, you resemble my favorite planet. I love you, you resemble mm. my favorite oh, planet. Oh, right, cool, yeah. And then the rest of this movie is going to kind of like show how we're like these things. Mm. Yeah, it, it's funny because too, in th- that same interview uh, with Panos, he, he's talking about how he the character of Red was sort of simple by design, but part of the his, his character, it, to a degree, is meant to be defined by his relationship to Mandy. Like without her, he doesn't have, uh, oh. you know, a purpose really. And That's it would make sense. That's why drinks the vodka and he <laughs> that, does the blow and does the demon right. acid. She's the, uh, she's the planet consumer, so. Yeah, or she's got the the uh, the gravity, so like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to keep him from going out mm-hmm. of control. Yeah, jeez. And it does a good job at setting up those emotions because it feels really sad. It does. It gets separated. It's it's amazing how much you feel the loss of her character when she doesn't, you know, she only has a few lines like. Yeah, she's only in the movie for the very beginning, really. But But, yeah, but but you really, it doesn't feel cheap. Yeah. Right. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and there's there's something interesting too about the actress uh, Andrea Riseborough, is in in the sense that she is she doesn't say a lot, but there's something so expressive about her face yeah. that she's Those big eyes. Yeah, she has huge eyes Shelley and Duvall eyes, and it's crazy mm-hmm. because you get so much of her inner life without her really having to say anything, and she's barely even doing any like overacting with her face either, but there's just something about like those long shots that just hold on her face. You get so much from them. Um, Yeah. She, she, she's fantastic in this too. Like she, she, you're right. She does so much with so little. It's, it's, it's like a masterclass in like minimal acting. It's it's just, it's Mm -hmm. amazing. It's so good. I work. So yeah. So they're living the cool life. And uh, then she's walking uh, to her job at a store, I guess uh, she works at. um, Mm -hmm. And uh, this van full of cult members passes her (laughs) and uh, Jeremiah take looks at her and had those big doe eyes. And uh, And then wearing the black Sabbath t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> she eats he, his planet. Yeah, <laughs> she eats his planet. Her gravity, right? And he, then he, we get the scene of him like lying in the, his like bed or whatever and talking to his followers, pouting. Yeah, saying Kylo that he's running. He, he, yeah. <laughs> 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 he says he feels naked without her. Like he meets her, and uh, so he you sends can't that. Do anything <laughs> so i just remember he did see that poor woman uh, the older i know member i know he just loves him so much or i know i don't know and if it's love but it, he's just giving it to her and she says that she's really good in bed too so like <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so but uh jeremiah sends uh that other dude out there with the horn of abraxas to summon the bikers and uh, the, they get summoned and uh, shit goes down. They uh, kidnap her and um, then we get that scene of her getting, like the, 
they put those like eye drops in her eyes. That yeah, is, I think it's LSD. Probably. I think it's acid too. Yeah. Which and that same woman then just like puts it in her yeah, mouth. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're and, all just uh, drinking that stuff. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Jeremiah plays that song. I really, really enjoy that. Um, he's like. Do you like the Carpenters? <laughs> like, I yeah, think, right. <laughs> I, I, I like this that. Even better. That Red and Mandy are like metalheads, and the like LSD, like acid freaks are like the the bad guys are really into the Carpenters. Yeah. Right. Um, well, then, and this is uh, this is another callback to the Carpenters. Dave, remember in uh, Ghost Rider, where his character, in order to Johnny Blaze, in order to stay yes. calm and not transform, like has to listen to the Carpenters and eat jelly beans. Yes. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. really? Yes, I do. Wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a good thing they didn't play the Carpenters in this movie. I know, right? Be able to face them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, his, it's his kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so she she laughs at his stupid song, and uh, they decide to, he, you know, she, she makes him look small in front of his followers. Um, so he talks to the mirror and the mirror tells him don't ever doubt yourself and so he uh he, he kills her in front of cage um and right setting after off. he stabs him with the D knife yeah he stabs him with the tainted blade and uh they burn mandy <laughs> on the swing set can we talk about the, the the part where they use the horn of abraxas to call them yeah oh, right when he's rolling up the window up because and because that part kills yeah. me every time. I don't <laughs> it's know. Dope. I, I love the casting in this movie because I think everybody does have uh, a very good way of just acting with their faces. And, mm-hmm. um, they go to this field. They, they're like, uh, I don't know if this is going to work. How do we know if this is going to work? And he blows the, a grain of time and they go back in the car and they <laughs> wait and it's this <laughs> it's this long long drawn out scene and one of the guys has his mouth wide open like slack jaw just kind of looking around and keeps rolling down the window yeah. rolling it back up and then they finally show up and I think he hands over a mason jar full of blood is that right and he it- and is it blood or acid? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Was I that the same? I think it's blood. Was it the says, same mason jar as as that Nick Cage, that the, the like know. purple stuff? That's why I wasn't sure if it was drugs or blood because after right. he drinks it, he says blood for blood, more uh-huh. blood, yeah, and I think so it is blood. Yeah. and then they give him the the curly haired guy, right? He's like the sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The pig for the slaughter. But I think it's really funny that <laughs> yeah. like a whole group of people couldn't have just like they knew she worked at the store. There was no one around. <laughs> they couldn't have like bypassed using the demon lords and just gone to the store and kidnapped and her and carried her out cuz yeah, it's yeah, I I feel like you can't be that casual about calling those demon bikers, right? Like there has to be, I mean, you have to yeah. literally give them a life every time you call them. So you think you might want to like, I mean, it's worth it to Jeremiah. Yeah. He was pretty, he was pretty casual <laughs> about sacrificing that curly haired guy though. There, yeah. 
Yeah, they he knew exactly who. Oh, just immediately. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm sure that's why he was around. Right? They were just Maybe. getting him, feeding him, and getting him fat. It's just like a the gingerbread house was the van, you know. And then yeah. that makes me wonder. <laughs> that makes me wonder: was everybody in the cult got this way? Like at some point, was this guy oh. Jeremiah? Did he see one of these people and was like, "I gotta have that person. I that's gotta call these guys." Question. Right. Yeah, and did did he play his music for them? <laughs> yeah, that's how that's what I assumed. But, yeah. but every and one of them and showed him they're his like tri- tripping on the wasp venom. Yeah, how'd you like and, the cherry on top? But but he's playing there. He's yeah. like he's showing them his little wiener and and playing uh, <laughs> playing the music. But they're like this this rules. rules. This, is, this is better than the carpenters, man. Yeah, you have to literally be high on wasp venom to enjoy the music. <laughs> the only way you can listen to this, trust me. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, you haven't listened to this until until you've listened to it on yeah. wasp. <laughs> Anyway, I just, that's one of my favorite scenes. I guess that clump of scenes when they call and then when Jeremiah is trying to seduce Mandy. Yeah, it's really funny. It's so good. Yeah. Um, Wait, Spooky, don't you have the Jeremiah's like EP? Oh, no, I don't. I think Rich has it because they had it at like South by or something. Yeah, the premiere there. I think he was there and he got one. It has a couple songs on it. Oh what? Yeah, there's more. That's I think so it's on cool. YouTube. But yeah, I think there's a there's a Bandcamp of it too. I think with like we do uh, we do have a Cheddar Goblin. If I'll you guys get my get hands on some Wasp Venom and then we can listen to the album. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got a and we can eat the Cheddar Goblin. Yeah, yeah. Hell where yeah. did where did that Cheddar Goblin come from? How do you guys have that? There you go. Uh, I got it for Christmas. Yeah, I was like any good ad. It showed up on Instagram <laughs> and I was just, it was the right time. It was like right before Christmas, I'm kind of hoarding presents for, for spooky. And so I said, yeah, I'm hell yeah. I want to eat that. I thought it was like a, I thought it was like a bootleg thing, but when we got it, read the box, it is from the investment company that made the movie. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting actually. Yeah, they're called Legion M. Yeah. So it's like official merch. Yeah. That's cool. I, I have the that Mandy shirt too that Kate oh, got right. me. The the mm-hmm. tiger shirt, which the is tiger, also official. Right. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. It's so cool what they're doing. Like they're just trying to make it all like fan led and fan based and, and the fans are the ones who are funding the movies and it's just yeah. it's cool. Yeah. For, for some yeah, for some movies that maybe wouldn't wouldn't work, but like this is just it it's perfect. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can become an investor with a very small amount of money. So it's just a like a couple thousand people with a little bit of money putting in to make cool. it, and that's yeah. Legion. I think it's like seven thousand people. Or yeah. Something. yeah, that's and cool. it's a way that's cool. to yeah. like get a movie. It's a really good way to get a movie made outside of the studio system. Yeah, right? which is something that in an interview I saw with uh, the director Panos. Uh, Cage and what's uh, uh, what's the other the Jeremiah's actor's name? Oh, uh, uh, Linus Roach. Linus Roach. Roach. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Roach. Um, that's one thing that they said was great because of the the basically investors were not people in suits in the room with them while they were trying to make this movie. There was there were no producers like calling the shots, 
And because of that, Panos was able to do exactly what he wanted. And it was, Cage said it was like a relaxed atmosphere, which is interesting when it's such like an intense movie to think like yeah. it was very chill. And there was no like challenging of any ideas, you know? I mean, it, uh, yeah, I, it seem, it's the type of movie that does seem like at least the production designer, anybody doing the stuff that it, 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 it just seems like it would be so fun to, to do. I'm sure it was intense in the way that any low budget movie would be that is demanding, but like, I don't know, all those outfits and costumes are so cool. It's just so fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the, the way their house looks. Like I would totally make my house look like that. Like the set dressing is it's tasty. Yeah, it, it's tasty. cool in the in the way that like somebody mm-hmm. would it, it feels like a labor of love. Same with the soundtrack. Um, mm-hmm. I guess Johan Johansson like requested to work on it. He was just like he he had seen Beyond the Black Rainbow, and he was like he, he was like I have to work with this guy. Like I just want to and um, but he's like he was like a big deal. This is his last film before he died. Right. I know um, it's so sad. But he did Arrival he, he, as well, right? I think mm-hmm. so. He did all kinds yeah. of stuff, um, and. Uh, yeah. But I guess he he and Panos bonded over their love of Van Halen. They, mm, uh, that's why all the tapping's in the beginning. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I didn't know this, but um, all that guitar playing is done by Sun. Oh, Sun. I thought it was Sleep, but yeah, Sun. Yeah. Sun-O. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Anyway, but that it was like still like also a labor of love. He's like, yes, this is like the shit that I grew up on too. Like, I I grew up in mythical 1983 too. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Like so sick. Yeah, the love comes through. Sorry, I feel like I hijacked the plot. No, you didn't. You didn't at all. I mean, well, after that point, like it's just revenge. Like, well, then we say goodbye to Mandy. Mandy doesn't show up again, except, yeah. In dreams. Yeah. I was just gonna say that like that part where her skeleton like is just turned into ash and like blows away is so mm-hmm. fucking beautiful. Yeah. I've also like never Dave, you've seen more extreme movies than I have, so maybe this is a, a more common trope than I know, but seeing somebody gagged by barbed yeah, wire I've, is I've something I've that. never <laughs> seen in a in a movie before yeah. this. And it that is, is intense fucking brutal to watch it is so brutal to watch every time he like yeah. opens his it, mouth it it's like Ugh. yeah Ugh. it's, all, it's all those, crazy that's it's, the kind of yeah. detail there's a bunch of these but yeah his again wrists it, too. his wrists too it just it's hardcore in the way that like yeah mm-hmm. again if you're like a kid imagining what the most hardcore like metal thing would be it's like that you know his, his hand is nailed to the floor yeah yeah that's very like christ-like too you know Mm-hmm. The yeah. symbolism of like Ooh, the thorns yeah. and the nail, and yeah, definitely. Yeah, they he stabs him with the blade in the same way that yeah. Christ got stabbed. Yeah. Right, totally. And yeah, and so after that, it's really just a succession of uh, Cage just working his way through <laughs> all the people involved and just killing them. Um, which I when I first watched it, it made me feel kind of like watching someone play a video game, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. you, you, you have it, to go to the it, armor. Guy. Yeah, he, yeah. He, oh, yeah. He goes to Bill Duke. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that Bill exposition. Duke. I do too. And building um, the weapon too. That scene is so sick. Yeah, he f- just forges an axe. <laughs> yeah, <It's> so <laughs> cool. <laughs> so ridiculous. No big deal. Just a couple hours. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. He does this so quick. Have you guys ever seen that show, Forged in Fire? Do you know what no. that is? No. I, I've okay. heard of it. 
they it, um, it's like a it's like a competition show where they get guys to like uh make blades basically wow. it's like like, a like yeah essentially Trials. uh yeah but it it uh when i was watching Trial it it fire. like reminded me of that <laughs> i was just like oh that's funny yeah it's the great like, british baking show for like the types of guys who buy knives at gas stations yeah, yeah. totally yeah. yeah yeah and i love i love the 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 trailer um yeah when he goes to get the crossbow the reaper and he's also yeah. really vulnerable there too like at first he's like i need to i need to go hunting i need to get i'm hunting and then he just like instantly opens up and he's like Thank yeah you, it, mm-hmm. it's great it's great to see that vulnerability because I think at that point in, uh, you know, in another movie would be like, this guy is just full badass now. Yeah. He's I'm on his mission. Intense. I have no yeah. fragility. Yeah. He, he's uh, like emotionally vulnerable through the whole thing in, in a way that, yeah, like, uh, this was, uh, I, I don't know, uh, s- Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone. I, I don't think you, you wouldn't see it in the same way. Mm-hmm. Which and is what makes it not a 1983 movie. Yeah. Yeah, ah. totally. Because yeah. that's when I, all I, those movies took place. The like <laughs> super macho hero, you know. Right. And and you said this spooky, but like Panos also was talking specifically about like the male ego and mm-hmm. wanting to like explore that. And I think you're right that like you, the you have dreams of it. Yeah, the two extremes of it, and um, whereas that you have the the guy who thinks he's a hard ass or like a badass, but he's really just a little bitch, a little wimp, and, uh, a little, yeah, a and dick. you have this guy who has been, you know, maybe learned how to be vulnerable with Mandy, like who who conquered his own personal demons and whatever, and is like, but you know, through his vulnerability, he becomes the mystic. He becomes. Uh, you know, he, he can, mm-hmm. he can swim in, in the deep waters that, uh, Jeremiah can't actually, he, that he's actually drowning he's in. He's drowning in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is cool. I love that, that this movie explores that. Me too. Uh, and yeah, but uses Mandy as like the galaxy as the starting point and then just yeah, yeah goes straight to hell. And yeah, like so literally I, straight to hell. Yeah, y- yeah. Like that house has hell in the oh, basement, yeah. like the whole. So like, yeah, he gets. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. He, but. No, I mean, he, there's there there's nothing more really like plot wise to say. It's just like a succession of like people getting killed in cool ways. Mostly by yeah, the but head. he gets kidnapped. <laughs> he gets kidnapped by them. That's right. how he finds their hiding place. Right, he tries right, to take oh, one out. Right, because he, because yeah, he takes one out with a crossbow, and then he tries to hit him with the car, but the biker <laughs> is so strong that he flips the fucking jeep. <laughs> <laughs> that part is really cool. Yeah, and then yeah, he wakes up. Badass. He wakes up with a nail in his hand next to like a pit to hell. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's t- handcuffed to the radiator on one hand and nailed to the floor with the other hand. The whole movie is starting to make so much sense now that I know that a little kid wrote it, or like the the perspective <laughs> of a little kid, yeah. like the most yeah, badass totally. things, like light a cigarette off of a flaming head, exactly. a nail in his hand that you find off the ground because you can't buy them because you're a little kid, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or even it's just sorry. like yeah, he he's chained to the radiator pipe. Like, what do you do? You just sort of. Uh, uns- you twist? just sort of pull, pull, twist it off and hit the guy with it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Knock um, him into the hole. 
I, the most badass one to me is is the one where the guy's watching porn. The the biker is watching that that porn loop and like snorting whatever that drug is. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> He's got and, that strap on. Or maybe that's just his or, dick. I just thought it was his dick. Okay. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Demonic phallus. Yeah. And he like flips Cage over through the coffee table. But then <laughs> Cage, uh, he gets his, his like giant pointy dick stuck in the floor. <laughs> right. Cage slits his throat and just gets showered with his blood. <laughs> like, right. For the he rest of the it. movie. Yeah. He's just wearing yeah. it. And that um, also, just like a little detail, when we first go into... One of the like more scary parts for me is like when we first go into that house and it's kind of establishing by going through the rooms, you see a guy, I think maybe one of the guys from the cult, dead on a dead. bed and his ass is covered in blood. Well, I think it's I think it's the people that used to live there. That's what I took away from it. Like Yeah, that's cuz they're like an I elderly couple. I, okay. I, I, yeah, I, it's unclear, but I, I was like, okay, maybe they, this isn't like their hideout. Like maybe they just like, yeah, killed the people who live there and are just like partying in the house. Although I don't know why there's like a pit to hell in the, yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> I don't know. It's disturbing though. It's disturbing. Then, then you see the, the knife dick and it's like, oh, okay, that's what happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And he's watching pretty vanilla porn. On the, on the TV, it's just, yeah. it's, it's funny. Um, well, you know, there's, there's no porn in hell, so oh. their standards aren't, aren't that high. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he, he's going around. Can, can anyone confirm that? <laughs> <laughs> he's going around. He's, he's taking heads off. He's squashing mm -hmm. heads, chopping them off. And then yeah, he um, has, he has an ax fight by a burning sports car. Uh, he, where he, he knocks off the guy's head and lights a cigarette. He he goes to the chemist um, who made the LSD for the bikers. I do, does he he doesn't kill him? Does he? There's no, this, no, no. There's this moment that happened this time though, which was crazy because like he he's talking the chemist. Yeah, he's obviously very high because he's been making acid with his hands in the liquid. Like right, no gloves. No gloves. But he just no shirt. Yeah, either. Lick, he licks his fingers. <laughs> you know, he's into it. Just an apron. But he says something about, I know it's good when she's calm. And he's talking yeah, he, about the tiger, the tiger in the cage, tiger. which, which at that, when I watched it this time, I said like in my head, that's so fucked up. Like you can't do that. It's crazy. You can't you're do that to this cat. That's so unfair. And then he replies and says, oh, you're right. Even though Cage, even though Nicolas Cage doesn't say anything, I said it. Like the viewer says it. Yeah. No. And then oh, he says, you're right. Uh, and he yeah. lets the and tiger he lets go. The tiger go. And I was, <laughs> you know, that, that moment. Wow. I was in the movie, man. You were there, yeah. dude. <laughs> and yeah. And to get to the chemist, uh, red, he, he finds a, not a little Mason jar, but a big full size Mason jar of, uh, kind of opaque gray, yeah. It's like Vaseline. a smoothie. Yeah. It looks disgusting. And he takes a little bit of it and he sees. And we're touching on something a little while ago about like, oh, now he's part of this world. Like, I don't know. He, he's kind of transcended into this right, new that's realm. that's like a classic thing, right? Because this is a classic th thing in folklore, mm. which is once you eat the food of right. the fae, you're stuck in the fae. You once you back. once mm -hmm. you eat the food of wherever you are now, you are part of that 
that place. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He. It, yeah. That's. It's part of his uh, hero's journey. He, Even at the at the very end, when he drives his car away from the scene, he drives into like an animated like landscape, basically. Mm-hmm. Like he's lost his mind. His face melts. Yeah. His he's, face he's, melts. He's, he's, yeah. So yeah, he, we he he sees the chemist. He has been he, his brain has been shifted by whatever was in the mason jar. Um, and he rides an ATV through this primordial hellscape with a battle axe and a crossbow. Um, <laughs> he, uh, fucking badass, man. <laughs> he's, is he a finds an impression. No, it's just my <laughs> adder, adorer uh, impression. He finds good. the fucking cult member. He sticks the axe handle down his throat. He spares the, the girl which is mm-hmm. the same girl who had to do the like Russian roulette thing earlier. Yeah, um, he probably so, felt bad for her. Yeah, which she she did seem I don't know why he spared her, but Because like, he's a mystic and he's not psychotic, he can still make mm. the decision. Right. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Uh then he has a chainsaw fight with uh, uh another dude, which such, such a cool chainsaw fight. Well, well, first like, there's there's the mariachi so music cool. when when he saves her. You hear the mariachi music and it's like, oh, you're saved. And then you see the dude like polishing the car. Yeah, the slack jawed <laughs> one. And then the chainsaw gets thrown. Or that that's the head. dude who yeah the axe gets gets stuck oh, in his that's head. The axe, yeah, right. And then he fights the other dude with a chainsaw. Who right. that guy's just sitting somewhere by something that's yeah. on fire or something. I don't Carving know. Some wood. Yeah. yeah. Everybody just kind of appears just ha- yeah that's why it's like a video game he just goes from yeah. like level to level just like okay, fighting you beat and you're only ever fighting one person at, yeah exactly once. Mm-hmm. yeah that's funny they get their shining death moment yeah this was uh, this was where i was like really that chainsaw scene i was like really missing just theaters in general like the communal movie experience because mm-hmm. i was just like i was like oh god even in watching it with like five or six people at that point I remember just the energy in the room. We were just like, God, it just keeps getting more badass. Like every yeah. single yeah. scene. The theater I, in that moment erupted for sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Like, how could you not? Like the fact that it's just a succession of just awesome shit at this point. Like, yeah, it's, it's so tasty. And, and then mm-hmm. he ends up at the, the big uh, triangle building, the big pyramid type church thing and, mm-hmm. uh, makes his way through the, uh, both the the old woman and uh, Jeremiah chops off their offers to seduce him. Yeah, yes. I I like when he meets the the elderly woman. She looks like she's it's all underground and weird, but it looks like she's sitting in a recliner next to like a big day glow kind of painting of Hawaii, like yeah, palm like trees. Yeah, yeah, in the middle of like some sort of like you know fallout some shelter, so, some sort of like maze. Bunker. It's just this. yeah. Really cool, and that's it. He k- kills him, and then uh, we see him driving away. Uh, we see Mandy in the car with him, though not. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he like smiles at her, like he, it's that mm. big smile. While he's like covered in blood. Well, also uh, we get the flashback of when they met at looks like some I don't know cool biker club or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever cool place they they hung out at some cool yeah. 80s bar I don't yeah know. it's the roadhouse right yeah yeah fully 
and then Patrick uh, Swayze in the background of the shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or or like uh, the Bang Bang Club from Twin Peaks. Like right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> they and then he he just drives off into the sunset, moonset. I don't just planet. Planet rise. It is, it is galaxy rise. Yeah, the, the galaxy hellscape. rise. Yeah, he, back into the backdrop painting. It's just. I feel like he tried to bring ban- Mandy back from hell, maybe, and that's why she's sitting or with him. Or maybe he just went there to be with her. Or maybe that's, he went to hell to be with her. Yeah. Yeah, that that was kind of my feeling too. Like I don't think there's like a clean explanation for it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I I just sort of feel because she looks very calm and serene and almost happy, mm-hmm. like and he's riding smiling. with him, and he's yeah. smiling. And I think there is a sense that he. I mean, she's avenged, but also, yeah, that she's coming with him out of there. He's bringing her back to yeah. or to w- wherever he's going. They might not be going back to life, but they're they're going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, together they're going again. somewhere. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it is it is kind of like a gnostic ending. It's it's like you've died, but you've maintained your soul or body, and yeah. you're able to because you are a mystic. You're able to sort of retain a consciousness and you guys can go on into this other other world together mm-hmm. it's a nice it's a nice thought it's yeah it, it's like the ultimate romantic ending like yeah. romantic, romantic in the sense y- you know that it's like they 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 are their soulmates like they were meant to be together and even death will yeah. not you know tear yeah. them yeah. apart it's like an so. old greek myth in that way. right yeah, yeah he totally. goes to hell to rescue her but um, but it's not the kind of reality where she's literally there. He just he rescues her in a in a deeper sense, in a spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. Right. But Dave, then he has to come out of hell, so he has to get in a Dodge Charger. The mm-hmm. flight and, uh, from hell. Driving a Mandy sequel. <laughs> yeah, Mandy two, Hell on Earth. Let's yeah. go. And this this nineteen eighty four. Yeah. This scene with them smiling is like. Uh, a scene that is also in Beyond the Black Rainbow. Oh, really? Towards the end. And I think a lot of Mandy is Beyond the Black Rainbow ideas that that movie was trying to portray, but done in maybe a more successful way. Because even the girl at the end that he lets go reminds me a lot of the main character of um, Beyond the Black Rainbow, who is essentially a hostage and is escaping uh, a madman, kind of a creator. And um, there's a scene where he has lost, he's really lost his mind, and he's also driving in a car, and he looks over and smiles at the passenger. I can't remember, is it? It's probably, I'm right, but that scene is in there. I need yeah, to watch similar. it again, but it's, yeah. there's, and there's, I didn't think about that. Uh, the way that he uses lighting, it just feels like that movie evolved into Mandy. Yeah. And, I mean, in a really did, good way. I think he said that in an interview too, where they're, they're sibling movies. Like one is a inhale, uh, beyond the black rainbow is like the inhale and Mandy is the exhale of the idea. Mm. That's, oh, that's cool. He's like, he's like letting it stew. And I guess he took 10 years to write Mandy. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Insane wow, that long? was so little dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. It's a long time to hold a breath. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. 
Well, I can't wait till he breathes in again. I know. Yeah, I know. yeah. Love I, your I breath. Mean, Keep breathing, please. I'm please. I'm so excited to see his next movie. Yeah, me too. Does he have anything in the pipeline? Not that I've that. read. I didn't, about, I didn't see anything. But I mean, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it'll be oh. another. Take my five money. Five years. Here. I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, well, let's let's talk about a uh, little here and there trivia shit. I've I've got a couple Ooh. cool things. Um, I guess uh, for inspiration, Panos gave Nick Cage a copy of Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven to watch. Um, <laughs> cool. He, Is that he the said, one where he fights the psychic teenager? I don't. I actually didn't look up which one. I think part eight is Jason Takes Manhattan, but I I think okay. I, I don't I don't remember I don't There's remember which one... part seven is. There's one in like the six to eight or nine range where it's basically like a carry knockoff where he fights like a, a valley girl with psychic powers. Like Jason goes up against her. Anyway, it doesn't. I don't matter. even remember that one. <laughs> that sounds awesome. It's not. Um, it's really bad. But you know, <laughs> hold on. I, I'm I'm gonna look it up. But it, the uh, yeah, he said his quote is that he wanted Cage to turn from. A, a damaged but normal man to a curious, amused Jason Voorhees Gollum. <laughs> and Whoa. The, that uh, the uh, the moment where like the chainsaw fight is about to happen, I guess Nick Cage does this thing where he sort of like rolls his jaw around, and that mm-hmm. is Nick Cage uh, quoting Jason Voorhees in that movie because his jaw is like <laughs> rotting off. Oh wow! As the golem, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Whoa, which is like Cage loves to like sort of quote other actors, like do little ticks and things that are um, inspired by other actors, kind of like how jazz musicians will like quote other melodies. Mm -hmm. So um, I that's one that's one that I would have never ever picked up. But I, I deep cut deep. But I think it's really funny. Okay, wait. Friday the 13th, part seven, the new blood. Anyway, I don't know why it's part seven, but oh yeah, no, this is it. This is it. Jason versus Carrie is the concept. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. That's funny. (laughs) Holy shit. Let's see. What else did I have? Uh, I didn't know this, but uh, Panos Cosmatos' dad was a famous director. Um, Mm -hmm. George P. Cosmatos. He did Rambo First Blood Part 2 and Tombstone and a bunch of other movies. No way. Tombstone? Yeah. No way. Our man Val Kilmer. Yeah, Val. (laughs) It always comes back to Val. (laughs) (laughs) What else? Uh, Oh, Panos Cosmatos doesn't do drugs anymore. I guess he used to do them a lot as like a teenager and in his early 20s, but now like even smoking weed like he says it, it feels like he's like wrestling with a demon <laughs> and so no. he, he doesn't do it but um does the demon he, have like a machete dick i didn't <laughs> i don't know if if you meet him you should ask i will i will that's the first thing i'll ask him i i know it's kind of it's kind of like demons have machete dick <laughs> when you smoke weed here smoke this weed yeah. <laughs> smoke this weed and I'm tell me see. what you see D- describe the dick of the demon the first demon you see uh, <laughs> No, I, I know it's kind of corny to assume that anybody who makes like something trippy is like, well, they must have been so stoned while making this. But I was surprised that he wasn't still 
doing drugs just because Dude, of how many although i mean it makes sense because i'm not surprised tobacco like somebody asked him on reddit like ask me anything like so like what drugs do you take to make music he's like i don't do anything wow I'm like straight edge which wow. he sounds like he's always on acid but nope yeah well yeah, he might just be one of those guys who just like fried themselves so much at like a young age that he just never needs to take <laughs> drugs anymore flashbacks yeah also like this this movie it's not like I wouldn't want to trip and watch this movie. I don't think. Maybe I would, but mm -hmm. it's it's not necessarily like a fun trip movie. It's like there's it's too sad and dark to like really, you know, be total like escapism. It's like deeper and weirder. I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But. But I I mean I would say that about a lot of Yodorowsky movies too, and people love to do drugs and watch those. So, what do I know? One time I went to a midnight screening of Zabriskie Point and I fell asleep because I ate an edible that was too strong. And then I woke up at the part where all the houses are exploding. Uh, and uh, my friend that I had gone with like had left. He, he, he had to escort our other friend who was too drunk like oh, out of no. the theater like while I was asleep. So I woke up to all the houses exploding and then like all my friends were gone and I was just like, what? And I was like, what is going on right now? Anyway, that was, uh, that was not a fun drug Did experience. Did you think you were in your house and it was exploding? <laughs> no, I, I just had no idea what was going on because the movie makes no sense. It's really, really, really slow and boring. And then I, I was like too high and so I just passed out. And then I woke up and then it's like, there's like Pink Floyd there's like Pink right. Floyd playing really loud and like all this house is exploding <laughs> over ending. and over again. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> uh, Miles, do you, do you have any uh, little, anything that you want to talk about? Any little trivia pieces? Uh, I, have, I have a funny joke I heard. Uh, is it knock, a knock-knock knock joke? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, Dave, knock-knock. Who's there? Eric Estrada. <laughs> Eric Estrada who? Eric Estrada from Chips. <laughs> <laughs> from chips. From chips. From chips. <laughs> it's 1983, y'all. <laughs> what about you guys? Any, anything that we didn't talk about that you want to touch on? I mean, I just thought it was kind of the like Manson thing was interesting to me. Like the music career that that Manson wanted mm -hmm. with the Wilsons he, and he like even, didn't get. He, Jeremiah even calls, Jeremiah. talks about the pigs too, you know? Yeah. Which is mm -hmm. very Manson-esque. Right. I don't know. I always think about everybody should just make their keep keep writing songs, Jeremiah, and don't kill nobody. Well, like, could you imagine if uh, if Manson came up in the Bandcamp age, he would have just posted like all of his shitty folk songs online, and then <laughs> it would just that would have been the end yeah, of it. Yeah, that would have been like, it. He would have been a SoundCloud <laughs> he been rapper. Satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> he's got like he's got like face tats, like six nine. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess, I guess his face tats would all be swastikas, so that's not a great idea. Yeah, I guess he did have a face tat, didn't he? Oh my god! Yeah, he did have a swastika like on his forehead, I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I think I got to. I talked a lot, and I think I'm very satisfied. Yeah, I I think that we live in a time where our movies are made in a studio system, and it's very wonderful to see a, a very auteur sort of film. Well, and, and can, in one of the, the interviews that I was reading, and this is something that's come up several, several times uh, with throughout us doing this podcast, but people ask Cage about his movies coming out on VOD and like, you know, does that like bum you out? 
and he's like he he's been very like pro video on demand and streaming and stuff because for that same reason he's like that's how interesting stuff gets made now whether he's bad at picking what projects are (laughs) going to be good or what you know i i don't i don't know if he doesn't really his whole method of of picking what movies he's going to do seems very um strange um like he he would he would choose to do eight movies and just hope that one of them would be good, which it seems like he did with he this one says, too. Says yes to everything. No, he always there's always like some reasoning usually that he says, but it's it's like he made season of the witch because he was like he was like oh, I just shot a film in New Orleans and I wanted to be in a nice forest, <laughs> you know? It's like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like yeah, I think a lot of times him. he he picks his films based on either if he thinks that he can inject the character with like some kind of uh, like if, if, if he's able to live out some kind of like superhero or like detective or cop fantasy, like yeah, or character. just a thing that he's, he's been wanting to do for a while. He's like, Oh yeah, I've always wanted to. Yeah. He's like, I wanted to, I've been wanting to do a Jamaican accent or whatever. And this movie right. lets me do that. <laughs> um, or, or the other big reasoning is just literally that it's filming at a location that he wants to visit and like yes. spend time in like that's wow. his reason he's given for movies. He's like, Oh, well that life. was shooting in this city. So I, I wanted to spend some time there. So I took the job, <laughs> but yeah, but he talks about, he's, he's like, people are snobby about it, but like they don't, they think that VOD doesn't bring in money, but it actually like they, you don't see the numbers, but all, people are, or those movies make a lot of money eventually because there's a lot of people who, you know, he, 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 he was saying in this interview, which I've never thought about this specifically, but that like a night out with like your family, if you're taking your family to the movies can cost like a hundred dollars if you're buying like yeah. dinner and tickets for everybody and gas and blah, blah, blah. And whereas like a night at home, you know, costs like $4 to rent something on VOD. And there's, there's kind of like a class thing to that, that I hadn't really thought about that. It's kind of cool that like, there, I mean, obviously, like everything eventually becomes streaming, and now we're living in an age where everything is streaming. But that, like, both Cage was on top of that before that was the reality. Like, he he saw the streaming taking over back in like 2014, and has been talking about that. And again, he keeps picking shitty projects to be in. But I do, I am impressed that he sort of like went that route, sort of unapologetically, and has and and i think there there is something cool about like the accessibility of just of of that of sort of saying that like he's like you know i i don't need to see myself up on the big screen anymore <laughs> like i mm. it can be on the small screen and it's going to reach more people so that's cool that's cool he also said yeah. in that that same interview um and this is something that i'm going to bring up every time he brings it up he really wants to play Captain Nemo. He really, really wants a 20,000 leagues under the sea movie. And he wants to play Captain Nemo. I've mentioned it like four or five times. And it's just because it needs to happen. 2021,000 leagues under the sea. Yes. There you go. Just somebody, I don't care how old he is. Somebody give him that role. He, cause he, he'll bring it up and then he'll be like, I love the sea. I've just been thinking about the sea a lot. I just have, even in this one, he was like, he he called it 
la mer. <laughs> he just, he, he wants it. He wants it so bad. Just let yeah, him be Yeah, you'd Captain think Nemo. that he's at a point in his career where he could just make that happen. Yeah, Direct right. his own one. Where he could just bankroll the, the, his 20,000 Leagues movie. His yeah. dream movie. Maybe Elijah Wood, if you're listening, make it happen. Yeah, we'll make the giant squid for you. Yeah, yeah we'll there be you your go. Art yeah. <laughs> yes. Dude, I don't, COVID or not, I'll, I'll be in the art department for that film. Definitely. We'll, we'll mail in the sets. Oh, this, and this is the last thing that I, I was going to say. Um, we, we're talking about audience reaction, and he was saying that the interviewer was like, how do you know if like you've succeeded, you know, if you did a good job? And he was just like, he's like, you know, I can tell if I, if I communicated the thing that I wanted to. And in this one, I, I just wanted, you know, the audience to, I wanted that feeling, the, like, you know, the audience to really be feeling it. And this is the first time that I've been in the theater when the audience has been like really, really like in it, like responding in the same way that like people would respond to midnight movies in the 70s and 80s. This is the first time that I felt that since I made Face Off, which wow, mm. that's that's like 20 a 20 year gap. But I believe it because mm-hmm. that's also and how a many really movies has awesome he made movie. since then in this one? God, uh, like a hundred? Seven hundred. Seven hundred. Anyway. That's a long uh, time to do something without getting that feeling. Wow. Yeah, good must have you. felt really good to get it. Yeah, Dave, I, I don't imagine, I couldn't for the life of me imagine why Snowden didn't set the audience <laughs> on fire in, in the theater. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's because he really wanted to go to... Where was Snowden? I don't know. Virginia or something? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. He had his eyes yeah. on Virginia that year. <laughs> yeah. Or not even, because the only scenes Cage is in it or in that movie is in indoors, right? He could have just know. been in, on movie. any set anywhere. <laughs> the, the movie was garbage. Well, is there anything you guys want to plug? Ash, we should talk about um, Ash Does Puzzles. We should <laughs> hype it. Yeah. What's up, everybody? If you like to <laughs> be bored and chill and you need somebody to do it with you, I've got a puzzle channel on YouTube. Um, I just wanted to make something. I, I guess I've been doing it for a year now. Uh, every week I release a new puzzle video. Sometimes I release tiny documentaries on things I think are interesting, made out of uh, found footage. And um, yeah, you can just turn it on i think i've got like close to 24 hours of content so you could put it on all day and have someone in the background doing something um i talk about random things and i collect vintage puzzles and put them together i'm pretty good at it yeah (laughs) uh and do you guys have any music coming out soon i was on yeah I, yeah, i was a guest on it yeah. Um, yeah, and I was on last week as well. Yeah, we did yeah. a space puzzle. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, just, we just finished an, an album. We finished the Escape to Witch Mountain soundtrack. Right. Our yes. band, Hot MT, also called Hour of the Time, Majesty 12, just rescored Escape to Witch Mountain. Not with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but with like the original. <laughs> the oh, s- not with The Rock. Okay, no, I'm not interested no. anymore. Then, if it's not no, The you, Rock, you, hey, I'm sure you. That'll be try. the follow up. <laughs> yeah, that's our next album, right? Yeah. Um. So we we were working with the Starburns Starburns Press. Uh, they approached us. They they wanted to release um, a couple of albums with different bands based on the idea of like dark side of the rainbow 
And yeah, the Dark Side of the Moon with Wizard of Oz combo. So we picked Escape to Witch Mountain to just make a, a record to that you could play while muting the movie and it would sync up. And so we yeah. um, we did that and we're releasing a tape, but we also have a rip of the movie with the dialogue still in it. Mm-hmm. But with all the score oh. ducked and we like, yeah. But we you, put our soundtrack in it. Mm-hmm. And Dude, uh, I'm so excited. Yeah, we're going to make great. some. Yeah, we're making some bootleg VHSs of that. Um, Sick. Yeah. But it's escape, escape to Hot Mountain. That's what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it really turns it into more of a lynchy affair. It's it's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. So it's a terrifying Hell, movie. Yes. Well, thank you guys so much for being on here. I can't think of guests who I would rather have talking about this movie. Thank Truly, you. always a pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, no, it, was, I, it was great hanging, talking about my favorite movie of 2018. Yeah, sure. yeah. I I feel like we sometimes the especially with really good movies. Sometimes I feel like we can't there's we can't really like talk about it all. But and I was a little worried that like like where do you start? What do you get into? But I, I feel like we did a pretty good job. I think we covered it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's still more that they will discover in in decades. It's in classes at schools where they'll study Mandy. They'll, un- and they'll study uncover this podcast. more. Yeah, right. Yeah, they'll they'll dissect it more than we have today. But this is just a first chapter in the study of Mandy. Hell yeah! <laughs> All right. Well, um, oh, this is the last thing, um, Spooky. Since this is your first time on the show, uh, mm-hmm. to to bring us out. Uh, well, first of all, hey. what what are your first? What are your top three favorite? Cage movies, uh, Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, that's also Panos Cosmatos's favorite. Really? Oh. Yeah. I mean, then I guess Mandy is something we have in common because that's my second favorite. Or actually, uh-huh. it's my first favorite. I would say Vampire's Kiss comes after that. Um, uh-huh. Wow. There's there's just too many to choose from for a third. I mean, I honestly really did enjoy Ghost Rider. I know everybody hates on it, but I thought it was really fun. <laughs> hey, that's fine. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, and will you give us uh, a panther roar? <laughs> a panther roar? Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this, is this, yeah. This what is, is this standard. a reference to? No, like make Just, a sound d- like a panther. Oh, you yeah. Want me to, yeah. So, yeah. so uh, imagine I'll coach you through. Yeah, set it. the scene. <laughs> yeah. 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 A little bit. So, <laughs> what is the age of said panther? Because if I'm, if I'm a young panther, maybe two weeks old, it would be more like a or something. <laughs> The panther started out as a panther in his mid-twenties, but then we recast the role, so he's now <laughs> running quite a bit older. Am I, am I pink? Uh, partially. You're wearing, no, you're you're wearing red. pink clothes. You're, red. you're actually panther. red. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, a panther roar. I'm red. You, you, were, cast, you were initially no. young, but you were recast as an old panther. Oh, I see. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> in that case... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, oh, that cool. was good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, perfect. 